0: Isn't it great that we've got the freedom to talk about God and actually open his Bible and read about God? There's people out there who know nothing about it. They're lost in their sins and in their, their lives and they have no desire, no notion of things eternal, of God, of eternity, of heaven, of hell. They're only got there. Living blind, living in a fog. That's what they're doing. But it's great that we can gather around his word and we can share share our relationship with the Father. Tonight I have loads of pages of notes, and it's not because uh, I was going to give them the Clifford to read, uh, because I wrote them quite big, Uh, (laughs) uh, it's because just to remind me. So tonight uh, I want us to turn in the Bible to Isaiah, it's in the Old Testament, I'm sure you all know, Isaiah chapter 40. Um, This is a uh, message tonight I hope that will encourage you, I hope that you'll feeling the need to go amen, praise the Lord, yes, I like it, feel free, um, it's good to express to God whenever something registers with you, you know, just like a tuning fort, yes, amen, praise the Lord, it's okay to do that, feel free, I don't want help me. <laughs> okay, Isaiah chapter 40, and we're going to read verse 28 uh, to 31, it's a well-known passage, It's one that I'm sure all of you have at one time or other looked at. And if you haven't, don't worry about it. We're going to read it tonight and probably look at it a couple of times. Um, So, Isaiah 40, verse 28. It says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Praise the Lord. It's a great passage, isn't it? I can remember one time at a youth group speaking on this verse, uh, this passage and I actually said it, uh, I described it as the, the... By saying, God never goes dope. Because he never, there's no searching of his understanding. Nothing takes him by surprise. But tonight I want to look at a wee bit of a different aspect to this. And that is the eternal God. There in the first part of it. You know, we're fascinated by eternity. We're fascinated as individuals. Whether you're in the West or you're in foreign parts of the world. We're fascinated by endlessness, agelessness. Uh, This idea of being immortal, you know, we watched movies, I can mention a bunch of them, anything from vampire movies to Highlander to whatever. There's Greek mythologies filled with uh, ideas of immortality and living forever. Uh, Even the Irish legends as well, Chernanog, the land of the eternal youth, it's all about living forever. And there's that notion, there's that something in us that craves eternity, that craves to last forever. It actually says in Ecclesiastes, uh, Ecclesiastes three, that um, God has set eternity into their hearts. He set that notion in us, something in us. When we are young, especially, we get this idea that we're going to live forever. We're going to do everything we can do. We're going to live for and do everything. We'll never think we're going to get old. You we'll never think we're going to get a mortgage. You we'll never think we're going to settle down. You never think that you're going to go grey and bald. You never think it, but it happens. It's a fact of life. Our books, our TV, our movies, our mythologies, all filled with the idea of everlasting, eternal. You know, they used to talk about the everlasting battery, the everlasting light bulb, and the everlasting gobstopper. Uh, I thought that was funny. Um, I was going to give you a description of heaven, but the truth is, the only place you ever read about heaven is in the Bible. The only time you ever read about things eternal is from the Word of God. The only time you'll hear about things eternal is from the pulpit. It's from conversations with other believers. Anytime you talk about God, you talk about the Father, you talk about things like that there, that's an eternal conversation. It's a conversation that'll stick with you. There's something in that that you can pick up and you can carry for the rest of your life. You'll have other conversations about things which are trivial. That's fine, you can do that, yeah, of course. But they don't last At the end of the day, only that which is done for Christ will last. Only that conversation about God, conversation about Christ, will be something that lifts you up. And you never know, the slightest thing, the smallest part of a conversation can be the thing that turns it for someone. It's something that that God uses to stir up at another time and bring back to their remembrance. Um, You know, all these times you hear about... uh, Eternity, and you hear about uh, never-ending and that type of thing, it's an exercise of the imagination, all these people, they, they imagine what it could be like, but the Bible's the only source. And the Bible is eternal. It's lasted centuries. People have tried to burn it and destroy it, discredit it, discount it, and write it off, but it's never, ever changed. The word of God is good, and it's true. I think the thing that, that perhaps fascinates us most about eternity is the fact that we live in a corrupted world. We live in a world that is falling apart, a world that has flaws. I mean, the roof leaks, the the gas pipes stop working, you know, uh, a car breaks down. Um, the motorbike breaks down um, you, you, your shoes wear out uh, your body feels you, you're not as strong as you used to be of course that doesn't apply to anyone in the front row here or the back row uh, but uh, you, you're all fading there's always something that it's never quite like it used to be when you get to a certain age and move on to this side of the, pla- this, the uh, congregation you'll find out it's not quite like it used to be <laughs> you know, there's always something that you go back oh you remember when and that's because we live in a corrupted world. As believers, we might be saved, or we are saved, and we are redeemed, and we are now no longer under the curse as in our soul, where spirits have been elevated. But the problem is, although the dominion of sin has broken in our lives, the presence of sin remains, and the consequences of sin in our flesh, the consequences of sin in our world. So we still see things fading. And that's, as I said, it's the wages of sin is death. And I'm not just talking about spiritual death, it's also physical. It has a physical consequence. So everything is in flux. Everything is in temporal in this world. Everything that we encounter, especially when you're between 18 and 35, that's the most turbulent time of your life. You've got like puberty kicking in, you have going to college, you're settling down, you're going to university, you're getting jobs, all that type of things happening. Everything's in flux, everything's moving around. So at times like that, it is so, so important that we remind ourselves that it's only this world is in flux, that God is eternal. You know, we come to the word to remind us of these eternal issues, eternal issues to refocus us, to bring us back into line. You know, you, you can get, you could be forgiven for thinking that everything that you're told in TV, every conversation you have, that everyone's being honest. They're not being honest. You know, this world has a slant to everything. You know, talk about politics and they talk about the news media and they talk about books and literature and certain newspapers having a political slant towards the Conservatives or towards Labour or towards Liberalism or towards Conservatism. You know, we can talk about that and that's what it all has, a slant away from things eternal and onto things temporal. It wants to get you thinking of how you're living right now and how you're surviving now and what joy you're having right now and what pleasure you're getting out of life right now because that's what matters according to the world. But the truth is, it doesn't matter. You know, and uh, I was reminded um, of uh, when Martin was speaking, I don't know, actually, I, he might've actually mentioned this verse, but in 1st Romans 20 verse 23, 20 to 23, it talks about man changing the image of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. You know that idea that we have actually taken God and we have brought him down to our level. Even as believers, we do it. We don't even think we're doing it, but we do it. We actually think of God in our terms rather than in His terms. And uh, um, can can you imagine? You know, we think of when they're making God in their terms that they're carving something, or that they're polishing something, or they're painting something. And that's fair play. Some people do that. The other thing is, we take other things in our lives. We take our our favorite actor, our favorite TV star. We take our favorite books. We take our favorite. place to go to Starbucks it could be we take things like that and we elevate them in our lives as places of importance and places of value and they're all temporal at the end of the day even though we don't make idols we still bring God to our level you know we think of God sometimes and we think you oh, he healed me once he can't heal me again he did this for me once got me a job once he can't do it again he did it once he doesn't do it anymore we think of God in terms of what he did once and he can't do again. We do it with subtly, sometimes we even thinking. But the God who wrote the Bible, the God who changed our lives can continue to change our lives. The God who redeemed us from sin can redeem us from terrible situations we might find ourselves in. I found a situation in my work where uh, a couple of years ago my company wanted to get rid of me. They were uh, putting a lot of effort into it and um, it was not a good situation. And I found here I'm two years down the line where my company actually asked me to go to another shop because I'm the only person who can sort it out. That's not something I did. That's something that God has done, you know. It speaks in Daniel, you know, Daniel talking to Nebuchadnezzar. He said, said, Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to go off and eat, eat in the field with the cattle. He says, until you learn that the Most High reigns in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomsoever he will. You know, when you're going through something, when you're going through something at work or at uni or life, just remember that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomsoever he will. And he's an eternal God. He doesn't change. So if he did it once, he can do it again. That's the thing we have to remember. We have to be reminded of it weekly, daily sometimes, that God never changes, that he abides faithful and that he is never diminished in any way. Uh, he is not affected by anything outside of himself. I think that's pretty cool. I'm affected by everything outside of myself. And sometimes what's in myself as well. <laughs> you know, the, the, there's a piece of philosophy that says, if all the world was blind, would the sun still, still shine? But truth is it would. Not because uh, of anyone seeing it. It's because it's in its essence and its nature to shine. In the same way, whenever they take apart Christianity, they take apart belief in God. You know, do you think God would stop existing if people stopped believing? His essence and nature is God and doesn't need anything to be God. We have to look at this eternal God, stop bringing him down to our image and to our level where we think, oh, sure, you know, there's God. It's God, you know, I'll go once a week and that's all I need to do. I just need to nod my head at him once before I die and that's all. This is These are eternal matters. These are weighty matters. These are not things that we can flutter around about and forget about. They're not trivial. They're important. I I'm want to read that again, just that first verse there. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. You know, Isaiah penned these words long, long time ago. I didn't look that part up. But uh, he was a young man when he started out his work. He was in the, the, the palace of the king. He was in there with authority and with people of power and people with money and prestige. He was a big fan of King Uzziah um, and uh, is, was known throughout the country, they all knew Isaiah. They maybe didn't like him, but he was in there. And he faced many difficulties. He's seen so much change happen to the nation of Israel. He's seen it slip further and further away from God. He's seen it slip into the point where he was calling out to them, come back, repent, repent, our judgment is coming. And he didn't, they didn't. They, they ignored him, they put their fingers in their ears and they didn't want to hear. He's seen the enemies of Israel defeat them. He's seen Israel being taken off in the exile and the kingdom was lost. And the promises were gone, or were they? He's seen turbulent times, Tremendous times, but here at verse forty, or chapter forty, sorry, of Isaiah, the book changes. Up until this point, Isaiah has been looking at uh, looking at the kingdom, looking at the nation, and talking to them. And, say, and the message has been more bad than good. You're all bad. You're all rotten. You need to repent. He's talking about their human activities and their human efforts. He's talking about justice coming, just, justice being meted out against them. It's a very confronting message. It's challenging to them. He's talking about the hand of God and it's upraised as if to slap them or to strike them. He's talking about the present. And here in chapter 40, Isaiah changes. Isaiah brings his focus back in the line. Isaiah turns his eyes from the nation and turns it back to God. And at this point, from this point on, the message changes. It's more good news than bad. There's talks about divine activity. He talks about mercy. He talks about comforting. He talks about God's arm outstretched to save. And he talks about the future. And that's really what eternal things is all about, isn't it? It's not about what's happening here and now. Go, 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 go. You know, it's not about that. It's about taking the time and thinking about, you know what? God's an end game kind of God. He's not playing for the right now. He's not playing for what he can get just this minute. He's playing for the end game. Your end is always more important than your beginning. Here, Isaiah uses a phrase for God, a name for God that has been used a number of times in the scriptures. It is El Olam, which is the supreme eternal God. Or quite literally, the God whose vanishing point is hidden, both start and finish. Can't see where he came from. You can't see where he goes to. So he is eternal, the eternal God. Just like Isaiah, we live in a stream of change. Like I said, our lives, the flux of our daily lives. Conversation you could have today could ruin the rest of your week. The email you get tomorrow could ruin your work for the rest of the month. (laughs) Something happening on the way home in your car, that could be it. It could ruin you for a week or two or a month. You don't know. So much flux. He stands outside of that, this God, El Olam, God of eternal, he stands outside of that change in the sense that he is unaffected by it. What happens around us is things that he sees and he wants to be involved in, things that he wants to affect. But there's a lot of things happening that he's just standing there unmoved, thinking this is a fad, it will pass. This is a, a blip, it's not important. And we have to realign our view so we think of things that way. Things that we get caught up in, this is so important, this is so important, this is so important. You know what, we need to look at things from God's point of view. What is important and what isn't important. He affects the stream. He observes it, waits unmoved, playing for the end game, as I said. You know, throughout time, throughout history, there's been many kingdoms and nations that have risen. I'm talking this week uh, to Sharon there about... um, uh, Constantinople and Istanbul. I'm fascinated, it's one of the cities I would love to visit. You know, uh, with the rise of Islam and the sweeping across uh, the Middle East and into North Africa and that type of thing, uh, it looked like, you know, the world was being swept away. And uh, Constantinople fell, which was a great capital for uh, Christendom. Uh, it was a great capital of learning and of education. It used to be where it's where Constantine the Great established the city. And everyone went, oh, this is terrible, this is wild. But God sees the end from the beginning. God's got a bigger plan. Sometimes, it was thanks to the fall of Constantinople and all these Christians running out of the city, taking with them Bibles and taking with them old manuscripts, taking with them old artifacts, that started the Renaissance, which started the Reformation. So I thank God that Constantinople fell. You know, you have to see things in a bigger way sometimes. You know, people have come along like Hitler and Mussolini and. Chaman Mao and all these other people have come along, built up big empires and big kingdoms, even thinking of Rupert Murdoch uh, on the newspaper Tycoon and all that type of thing. They come along, express their power, their authority, their might, and they're gone tomorrow. At the end of the day, when everything has settled, when the dust has settled, only God remains unchanged, unmoved, because he is the God of eternity. He is the eternal God. We've seen the rise of our heroes and our villains villains. I change. I get older. I put on weight. I make bad decisions. I react badly. I'm swayed by fads, friends, and cultural influences. Everything moves me. It's not good. It's not a good way to be. It's something we have to fight against. Something grabs my imagination, my hopes, my dreams, or my heart, and I chase after it. But God does not change. It's it's a truth that we need to come to that God doesn't change. No matter what you go through in life, no matter what you go through in uni, no matter where you have been taken to by this world, God does not change. His hand is still extended in love, his hand of forgiveness. He still waits for us all to come back to him. You know, the the image there, you could almost, you could look at the end of that there passage, uh, Isaiah, verse 31 there of Isaiah 40, uh, it talks about them mounting up with wings as eagles. They run and not walk, run and not be weary, and walk and not faint. You could look at that in a way as people who are being chasing after things. When you first get saved, sometimes you're full of enthusiasm, and you're full of, oh, he's a brilliant, reader. He's a brilliant preacher, he's a brilliant writer, he's a brilliant, you know, we can we can all get caught up in things like that. And you can see sort of that maturity settling in, where people actually do is they come back into alignment with God, they come back to thinking of things eternal. And then by the end of it, they shall walk and not faint. Spurgeon said something along the lines of, there's a quiet stillness to people full of God or full of the Holy Spirit. You know, this God that we're talking about tonight, you know, I'm not just, this is not an academic exercise. This God still hears when you call him. He still abides faithful to his promises. He still desires good things for his children. He still makes plans and still opens doors. He does not change He's opened doors for me in the past and I've put my neck out at times saying he'll do it again. And that's what he needs, us to believe him when he says that he does not change. Many things that we can look at regarding God's external character, uh, but I want to look at one thing in particular. Now, we're going to go into that area of the service where we start using big words, theological words, old words, okay people? So bear with us, write them down, get the dictionary out later. (laughs) Okay, Becky. (laughs) So we can turn really quickly to uh, uh, Psalm 111. Psalm 111. If you've got your Bible with you. And if you don't, don't worry, because I'm going to read it. It's great to know that we serve a God who's eternal, isn't it? When He does something for us, He doesn't become less, He isn't diminished. His love for us isn't diminished by the number of people who come to him to get saved. He's still got more than enough love for us. He's still got more than enough plans for us. He can make new plans. His plans never change. Psalm 111, verse 1. Let's just read. It says, Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and the congregation. The works of the Lord are great. Sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious and his righteousness endureth forever. I want to look at his righteousness, the righteousness of God. Now you might think, oh dear, not righteousness. (laughs) But uh, it's important that we get a good full view of this word and we get a full view of God and his eternal attributes and eternal qualities. Uh, Righteousness and justice are two sides of the same coin and connect to God's holiness. Righteousness is right action. Don't think of it necessarily purely as a judgmental thing or anything like that. There it is, but it's also others. It's right action. Who knows he acts rightly? He does what is right. Doesn't do what is right according to someone else's standards. He does what's right according to his own standards. And God is good, so therefore God acts rightly. You know, in God's country, God's planet, it's a place of perfection place of purity, a place of obedience, of honesty, integrity. He is repulsed by sin. There's no backbiting, no innuendos, no slander, no pain, no suffering, no wrongdoing, no viciousness, no ulterior motives. Isn't that a wonderful place? Can't imagine it. We can, we can brush it slightly with our imagination, but it's, it's, fo- it's foreign to us. It is because we live in a world that's everything that's opposite to that. We live in a place where uh, as, where our right actions and our righteousness comes from our world. A place where there is viciousness. place where there is hatred. place where there is uh, pain and suffering. place where there is pride and jealousy. place where there is uh, dishonesty. Where no man is true. No man's word is true. You can't trust a man's word. You have to get a contract now. You have to get it signed and you have to get it witnessed. You can't trust this world. That's the world we live in. It's a place where... Um, our values and our, our lifestyle and our set of morals is affected by it. So our right actions or our righteousness comes from our world. So you think it'll make the mark? Do you think it'll compare it to his righteousness, to his right standing or his right actions? Sorry? Do you think our right actions, according to our moral code, will come anywhere close to his? You can see why, the, why they, they talk about our righteousness as filthy rags because it's so, so far from the mark. God looks on and says, he's a, he's a righteous God. So he looks on our world, the world that he created, the world that's in rebellion. And it's a, it's a wee bit of a horrifying thing. I'm going to say now, I'll have to let you know. Um, Revelation 14 and Revelation 16, God says, the cup of the wine of the wrath of the fierceness of his wrath will be poured out. There's a judgment coming. It's part of his righteousness. There's, there's, a, there's a judgment coming. God who is righteous, it also says that in, in Matthew 10, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, actually says this, fear not those who destroy the body, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body. It's a scary thought. That was from gentle Jesus. I don't think he's gentle. I think he's more of a man's man. I think he says it like it is. I think he's not not afraid to stand up and say what's right. I think that's a good way to be. I I could love a God like that. Couldn't you? That was an amen. 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 You know, for salvation and forgiveness to be more than just words that old folks use (laughs) and to be culturally relevant to another generation, we have to acknowledge his standard. Uh, And they're pretty darn high. In fact, they're unobtainable. Sin is still sin to eternal God. There's no change because of our culture, our circumstances, our philosophy, our personal interpretation of scriptures. Things like that don't change what sin is because God does not change. So in order for us to take salvation, take the message of God's forgiveness to people, it's not going to make no sense if they don't know that God's righteous. It doesn't make no sense if they don't know that he's holy. So we've got to remind them. It's good to remind people in conversation sometimes. I'm not saying you come all, get your dictionary out, Becky, and tell them this is what this means and you have to match up to this. I'm talking about telling them that God He's pure. He comes from a place that we can't even imagine, a place of holiness and purity, a place where everyone does what is right. You know, it's not legalism or license that we want to sort of promote from any pulpit. We have to, t- have to find a, walk a very fine path because there's a the grace of God is a, a powerful thing. But we have to admit, we can't reach his standards, but we can reach Jesus. We can't reach up to his standards. We'll never obtain them. But Jesus offers us his righteousness. He aches to fix a broken world and your broken life. He aches to get involved in every day for you. In that situation where you can't deal with, in that problem you can't face and you have no answer to, he wants to get involved. He eternally doesn't change, so therefore his desire to get involved hasn't changed. And I would rather have a God who made me a little afraid and nervous than a laid-back hippie God who was happy with my sin and depravity. The God of eternity has written his law in our hearts, and we do have a sense of right and wrong. We can't ignore it, but it's dangerous. That's one of the things that evolutionists and creationists argue over. They talk about, you know, where's this moral code? How come we know what right and wrong is? We might not have the finer details, the exact same, but there are certain things that every single culture has always agreed on. You know, where does that come from? There's no biological reason for that. That's purely written. God has written it onto your hearts. And it's always good, always good to listen to that. Listen to the voice of God. Listen to his promptings. You know, Martin Luther in the movie, if anyone's seen it, um, he came off with a line which, which was based loosely on what he actually said. And he was talking about a theological argument, but this is a good, good argument for us to remember. He said, unless I'm convinced by Scripture, I'm by plain reason, and not by popes and councils who have so often contradicted themselves, my conscience is captive to the word of God. To go against conscience is neither right nor safe. I cannot and will not recant. Here I stand, I can do no other. When we are facing things in our lives, it's always good to bring it back to God. How does this measure up with God's word? And if God's eternal and his word's eternal, therefore what he has said about us is is eternal. I can remember us getting up every morning, and going to school as I was kids. And I can remember we used to have, my dad prayed with us every morning, stood around in a circle, held hands, the geeks. And uh, I can remember we had a wee, I don't want to say a chant, but it was a wee prayer we always said. Thank you, Lord, that you have made me the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. And it went on from there. I I won't bore you with it. But it went on from there. And you know, there's something about that, reminding ourselves daily, what has God said about me? What has he promised me? You have to do that. Because you spend, if you think about it, 24 hours of your day out there, you're spent there being bombarded with, he doesn't exist. Your resources aren't enough. His resources aren't enough. You're bringing God down to your level. You know, part of the thing when we did the Christianity Explored course is we found that there's always a question. You can't just read the Bible and not get a question. You know, in the book of Mark there, we've seen, do you not see? Do you not understand? The question the disciples were continually asked. And that's what we face tonight, a question. God asks the question in his word. How we respond to the questions determines our future, determines our lives. And I'm not just talking of eternally, but I am talking eternally. I'm not talking about heaven or hell and that type of thing, but it does apply. It, it counts very much so. But I'm also talking in what we go through in life. You can go through life in a Skoda or you can go through in a Rolls Royce. You can go through dragging along or else you can remind yourself daily that he is the God who never changes and that he, en- he abides faithful. And by doing that, that makes life living so much easier. Doesn't necessarily change the actual outcome of your circumstances, but I tell you it's always better to look up than it is to look down. So you can have your pink fluffy Elvis God, and I will stick with the Chuck Norris God that wants to change us into someone better and help that helps actually helps that change happen. So righteousness is right action, not just out of his holiness, but out of his other characteristics. I've, I've just talked about his holiness there very much so, but his other characteristics, as I said, about love and grace and mercy. He is not capricious, which means he doesn't act just off the whim. He's not selfish or evil. He is good all day long. God is good. And he acts out of that. So when we call, because of his righteousness, his right action is he will answer. When we seek his right action out of his righteousness is that we will find. When we knock his action out of his righteousness is the door will be opened. When we draw nigh, he will out of his right action draw nigh unto us. That's the promise tonight. Whatever you're facing, you're scared of going home, (laughs) scared of going to school tomorrow, scared of going to work tomorrow, scared of going to uni or anything. Remember that God is with you And that he doesn't change. This God has watched out and called out to you. When you walked away and got distracted. But his desire for you has not changed. His desire. His thoughts towards you have not changed. The world, the flesh and the devil will tell you. That you have blown it. You're too bad. You're not good enough. You're too good. You don't need God. Your resources are running out. Your strength is failing. You have blown it. You are your own. No one, you're on your own. No one cares. Uh, You're still young. You're too old. You love to, uh, this is quite good. I'm enjoying writing this down, actually. (laughs) You have to sow your wild oats. You have to be more sensible. The world will tell you a million and one things and try and distract you. They'll lie to you because they want you to waste your life. They want you to die and know nothing of God. They want you to become focused on the trivial things. You know, it speaks of it, the Pharisees. Jesus said to the Pharisees, he says, you strain at a gnat and you swallow a camel. You strain at the wee small picky things and you swallow big lies. It's better to keep your eyes on God and keep your focus right and then everything else falls into place. My friend, this God has not changed. Uh, he remains unmoved and un unaffected by circumstances. You know, I was watching, uh, when we were doing the Christianity Explored course, I had seen a video on YouTube. Uh, I couldn't even advise you how to look for it, but it was these two small kids and I, I think I think they were Portuguese, uh, or speaking Portuguese, excuse me, um, they're South American anyway, uh, and they were, one of them was freaking out. I mean, the, the, the sheer emotion on this child's face. I mean, he was only knee and often, you know, and his wee brother, I think they were twins, and they were sitting there, but the one of them was just like, tears streaming down his face, he yelling away at his mother. And uh, he was just like, he was like on the edge of his motions. I mean, there was no pulling him back. Only a good smack would have pulled him back, you know? If if it was my child, no, not if it was my child. <laughs> but he was wild, he was being, he was, you know, he wasn't doing anything bad, he was just pure emotion, pure driven emotion and so affected by everything around him, where his brother was totally the opposite. As he was freaking out, the brother was sitting going, what's he freaking out at? (laughs) You could see it. And then what happens is they were, like I said, they were speaking Portuguese and I'm almost certain it's was Portuguese. They were talking back and forth and he was, he was talking away, talking away, talking away. And then what happens is then the, the dad must have come in and he said, show me this, or in their language, it must have been something along the lines of, show me what it is you're getting all worked up about. And he went, they went, he sort of stopped crying, which is the dad had spoke and they walked over to the corner and they went, they got down in his haunches and there was a bug. It was like a wee ant or something and it was dead already. And he was like, looked at it, and he looked at the dad and he looked at it, and he, looked at it and he looked at the dad and he went, ah! <laughs> And the other brother sat there just looking, What? It's a bug and it's dead, you know. That's like that's like things people in this world. It's like us, aren't we? Blown around. Our emotions are up and down and round and round. But you know, there's something of eternity that makes us still and quiet. It makes us sit back and look at the big picture. Look at the end game. So what are you facing tonight? What do you face tomorrow? What do you face next week? What problem do you think is going to arise? Has there been a train wreck in your past? Is there a promise of a train wreck in your future? I can tell you tonight that God does not change. The God who's helped us once will help us again. The God who gives us promises is abides the faithful to ensure that those promises come about. You know, we sing the words, but do we let it get into our hearts and into our minds? It's important that we know what we're saying and we know what we believe. Take it to the God who does not change. He abides faithful. Our resources, our abilities all come to an end. Everything that we can do, as you get older, you'll find this out. Everything you can do comes to an end. You go, you know, you get to a point, my dad's talking to a pastor who's retiring and he said that 20 years ago when he started his church, he says, I could have started a church. If it didn't work, I could have mo- let it close and go to another town, another village, another part. He's actually from America. So he just done this 20 years ago when he's in his 60s. He, he came to Ireland to open up a church. Now he's in his 80s. And he's still, he's now going, well, now I can't open another one. I'm going, dear sakes, incredible. But, you know, when you're young, you can do that. You can drop, drop the hat, you can drop it and go on. And You get older, you find out that you need God. You need the eternal God who does not change. The God who is our strength, who is our hope. He is not diminished by the passing of time or by the use of his power. He is still God. I want to read that again, Isaiah 40 again. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. That's the kind of God I can serve. That's the kind of God I love. I don't want a God that's diminished, that becomes less, that is reduced in any way. He abides faithful. He remains God. He's God because no one else is bigger and badder. (laughs) Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Don't believe what the enemy will tell you tomorrow. Don't believe the fears that he conjures up in your mind. He'll tell you you're missing out. He'll tell you that you're depriving yourself, but that's a lie. No problem he doesn't have the answer for. No long-term situation he will grow weary in. No situation or circumstance in your life that the eternal God will walk away from. Praise the Lord. He is the eternal God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. You know, if you're here and you don't know him, you're a stranger to him, let me tell you, he's the eternal God. He hasn't changed. If he offered his hand to you once before, it's still outstretched. He hasn't withdrawn it. This is still the time of grace. This is the God who wants to be involved in your life. He wants to fix your life. He wants to fix your eternal destiny. Tonight, if you know him, get to know him better. Realign our vision back onto him. Take it off the valley and the troubles and look at the mountain ahead. Remind yourself of who he is and of what he says about you. Remind yourself daily of what His promises were. You know, Jesus said, "I will never leave thee nor forsake thee." There's a good starting point. I don't know what I'm facing this week, and I think I'm facing it on my own. No, hang on. He will never leave me nor forsake me. So I just want to encourage us all tonight to keep keep doing that this week, and for the rest of our lives. Just keep doing that. Remind yourself that you're not alone. Remind yourself that God is eternal. That His promises to us they do not have an end. There's no expiry date. They're good all the time and that they last forever. All right, thank you.